The Joker by Scott Leopold Chapter 6 July 26, 1978 Two weeks ago, Sam and I tied the knot. It wasn't the fairy tale wedding I've always dreamed of, but it was still nice. Everyone seemed to have a great time. Over 300 people attended the wedding, which we held at Christ the King, a quaint little church where Sam and his family are parishioners. They attend service every Sunday. Sam's parents baptized all seven of their kids there, so they were adamant about us getting married there. To them, it was non-negotiable. They were becoming a little too controlling for my taste. Sam's family filled the pews on the right side of the church. The left side was for my family, which numbered far less than his. The church was a sea of police blue. Police work ran in the veins of the O'Malley family. When Sam graduates from the academy, he will be the fourth generation O'Malley to serve on the Indianapolis Police Department. When I was walking down the aisle of lopsided wedding attendees, I felt a little annoyed that more of my family didn't attend. It was embarrassing to see the inequality of people representing my side of the aisle. All eyes were on me. I felt like I was floating in my gorgeous wedding dress as my father walked me down the altar. One of the few things my mother helped with was finding and paying for my dress. She surprised me by suggesting that we stop by Abigail's and look for a wedding dress one Saturday morning. It shocked me. Up to this point, she had not seemed to show much interest in me or my wedding. I think she was still angry about my pregnancy. The dress I chose was ivory and satin with an empire waist and an A-line skirt. The scallop neckline brought all eyes to my face. There was lace around them to him. It was an elegant dress with delicate frills all around that covered my body well. Approaching the altar, I looked at Sam. I was grateful that my father could walk me down the aisle sober. After we exchanged our vows, we had our first kiss, and Mr. and Mrs. Sam O'Malley were announced. The audience clapped and cheered. When we walked down, when we walked out of the church and down the steps to Sam's car, our family and friends threw the ceremonial rice. I found this annoying. I was not pleased when I got in the car and realized they covered my hair in wedding rice. Sam laughed it off, which annoyed me even more. When we arrived at the Scottish Rite Hall for our wedding reception, we entered the ballroom on the second floor. The DJ introduced us as Mr. and Mrs. O'Malley, and the party began for everyone but me. While it was wonderful being the center of attention and receiving so many compliments, what I really wanted was a drink. Many guests were well on their way to getting drunk, and I desperately wanted to join them. Sneaking a glass of wine instantly calmed my nerves, so I snuck another. When Sam's mother saw what I was doing, she went over to him to say something. As usual, Mary Alice is acting like a total bitch. She is ruining my special day. Like her puppet, Sam came over and told me to slow down with the drinking. I asked him if he had any idea what it was like to be pregnant. He just gave me a blank look. I told him to back off and that if he ruined my wedding day, I would never forgive him. Like a good boy, he left me alone. But his mother was another story. 
Later that night, Mary Alice found me smoking with some friends in the parking lot. She pulled me aside and said she couldn't believe how careless I was being with the child growing inside of me. But then I had enough, so I unleashed on her, saying everything I'd thought but had kept inside. Hearing my tirade, Sam came up and grabbed me by the arm. He dragged me to the car, kicking and screaming. It's my baby. I can do whatever I want, I shouted. Then I slipped, telling Sam how my mother was forcing me to have this baby, how I wanted an abortion, how it was, how it was my body and my decision, how my mother guilted me into having the child. Sam was shocked. While it had been a nice evening up to that point, it wasn't what I had dreamed of. Maybe that's why I'm, I got drunk. I didn't feel like a prince's. Was it because deep down in my heart I knew Sam wasn't really my prince? I'm not sure why. But I'm grateful that no one questioned our marriage. They seemed to believe we were two young kids in love who wanted to spend the rest of our lives together. I know this made my mother happy. August 22nd, 1978. It's been about a month since the wedding. Thank God my morning sickness has subsided. I spend most days in our little apartment sleeping. My visits to the Riviera Club are much less frequent now that my belly is showing. Only our family and a few close friends know I'm pregnant. I'm sure when I can no longer hide my baby bump, the gossip will start and the calculations will begin. When did she get married? She looks much farther along than just two months. Sam must have knocked her up. That's why he married her. I wonder when she's due. I can hear all the rumors now. I don't care much, but my mother will. She is always thinking about how this is affecting her and, oh, the poor baby. I know it worries her about what kind of mother I will be. She continually reminds me that my partying ways will be over. That life will no longer be about me, but rather my baby and my life with Sam. Oh, how I resent these comments. I want her, Sam, and everyone else to know I will get my life back and be a good mother to this baby. This will not stop me from doing the things for myself either, like getting my body back and looking for a modeling agent. I desperately want a modeling career. And I will not let this baby stop me. November 14th, 1978. I gave birth to John Thomas O'Malley at 1.30 p.m. yesterday. He is 8 pounds, 1 ounce, and 20 inches long with no hair. Sam and I nicknamed him Jack after his maternal father. Labor was far worse than I expected. The last several weeks have been miserable since sleeping was so difficult. It started with cramping my back, which crept around to my stomach. I woke Sam at 2 in the morning, and we headed down to Methodist Hospital. After almost 10 hours of labor and two whole hours of pushing, Jack finally arrived. When the nurse placed him in my arms, I didn't know what to feel. It was almost like the nurse handed me a doll. I felt nothing emotionally, just tired and sore. All I could think about was having Sam get me a milkshake from Steak and Shake. Was that bad? Should I feel like I 
madly in love with this little being. He is awfully cute, but he looks just like him. Him not being Sam. I thought about how I was deceiving Sam when I filled out the birth certificate. I know deep down that Jack is not his baby. Even I have believed my lie. The last time we slept together before our breakup was Valentine's Day. He took me to Hollyhock Hill for dinner. Afterwards, we headed to Holiday Park for a hike. Having sex in the car was not ideal, but we had no option. After we finished, Sam asked me about my plans for the upcoming weekend. I told him I was going to a movie with Julie, Scott, and Greg. He said it sounded like a double date. I assured him we were just all friends. Sometimes Greg and I were friends with benefits. Greg wasn't boyfriend material, but he was so cute that I couldn't resist him. My admission about the weekend plans led to a huge argument that ended with Sam dropping me off to Peach's record store on Broderpool Avenue. That was the end of a end for us until the day I arrived on his porch to tell him I was pregnant. A part of me feels guilty for harboring these secrets. I know exactly who the father is. The thought of it makes me sick. But my plan has worked, so I must move past these guilty thoughts. I need to focus on my life with Sam and Jack. December 13th, 1978. It's Christmas time. The Broderpool villagers are out and about getting ready for all the festivities. While I'm stuck in this little apartment on Crestview with a baby who won't stop crying, I'm alone almost all the time. Sam works most nights, then picks up extra shifts on his days off. My only outlet is to take Jack to my mother's or to marry Alice's so I can go out with my friends. I have been doing this more often, and I think Sam is starting to resent the fact that I am spending so much money. He gives me an allowance that I seem to go through faster and faster each week. I tell my mom that I'm going to the grocery or a movie. Then I meet up with my old drinking buddies, the monkey's tail. Part of me feels bad about this, but I'm just so bored that it's easy to let my guilt evaporate. I feel so cooped up in this apartment. I find myself constantly thinking about the life I planned before I got pregnant. My dream of modeling is now a broken reality. My plan was to move to New York City after high school and get signed with the Ford Modeling Agency. I'm only 10 pounds away from my pre-baby weight. I know in my heart that the modeling will never happen. Now I'm stuck in this apartment with this baby and I'm going crazy with boredom. March 16, 1979. I can't believe I haven't written in so long. My double life has doubled back on me. It all started when they pulled me over for drinking and driving. Sam's father tried to help best he could, getting the charges dropped. But a few weeks later, they busted me for marijuana. Greg and I got high before a 4 p.m. movie at Glendale. We stopped by the Broadwell Park for a quick smoke down by the river. On our way back to the car, a police officer stopped us. When he asked us questions, we were so stoned we couldn't. All we could do was laugh. Then the officer noticed the pipe sticking out of Greg's jeans. That gave them probable cause to search my handbag. 
where they found an ounce of pot. They arrested me for possession of an illegal substance. I was numb. I didn't care anymore. This time my father-in-law was furious. He couldn't even look at me, let alone speak to me. He did his best to keep the arrest from Sam, but eventually he told him. As usual, Sam was silently angry. I begged him to talk to me. I thought he would yell, but his silence was far worse than anything he could say to me. I grew up in a home where we argued and got our feelings out. The silent treatment was a new experience for me. When Sam spoke, all he could say was that he was extremely hurt, disappointed with me. That was it. The next offense was the final straw for Sam. Drunk and high one evening with my friends, I left the bar with this cute guy who had been buying me drinks all night. Though he was a stranger, he had a confidence about him that turned me on. Sam is a cop, but he isn't very manly at all. I felt like the man in our relationship, which made our sex life bad. But this guy was all man. There is something about a bad boy that gets me hot. Plus, they know how to fuck the way I like it. Hard and rough. We had nowhere to go, so we ended up fooling around in his car. While I was giving him head, we got busted. The next thing I knew, they charged me with public indecency. My record was getting worse and worse. Looking back, I wanted to get caught. I wanted out of my miserable life with Sam, and I was too scared to come out and say it. The news of the charges swept through the police station like lightning. Sam heard about the indecency even before his father told him. Humiliated and upset, he left early from his shift to come home and avoid his co-workers. He went back to our apartment and packed his bags. I tried to talk to him to explain I was just acting out because I was bored. I wouldn't have done these things if I had not been drinking and high. I begged and pleaded, telling him we would get counseling. When he finished packing his suitcase, he didn't say goodbye. He shut me out of his life completely. He wanted nothing to do with me. The next day, he filed for divorce. Oh, my God, I thought. How am I going to support myself and my baby? Sam will not support us financially. Why did I push him away? I'm so screwed. I did the unthinkable and decided to move back with my mother.